Music is vibration. Vibration. Vibration that feeds the soul. Don't talk. Just listen. 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 Welcome to Beaver Plugs Presents. This is Growing Up, a music show. If it's music from the 90s and 2000s, then we're doing album reviews. Ah. Bringing you deep cuts. Ah. And talking about all music from that era. Ah. Ah. Hosted by two heterosexual life mates. From Detroit, Michigan, this is Brian and Zach. What is up? What up, BJ? Welcome to the Beaver Plugs. Mm, We're plugging. We are plugging. Welcome to our first in a podcast. Oh, yeah. We're happy to be here with you guys. Thanks for hanging out. Three people who are going to listen to this. Yep. Our parents, and we'll force our wives to, and we'll probably listen to it 15 times. But, uh, man, let's let's tell the folks about ourselves here. So how about you first? Um, I'm Brian. I work in the medical field from mm. uh, Detroit, Michigan, born and raised here. And um, that's about all I feel like I'm going to share with the public at this time. Holler at your boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Zach, uh, in my 30s as well, uh, also work in the medical field, trying to transition that to full-time podcasting, because I think I'll become famous off this, but that's not the reality. Anyway, so I, I love podcasts, um, and uh, Brian and I are best buds, been so forever. We've known each other since the 90s, and uh, so we go way back, and it's cool to be doing this. Happy to be here in the basement, and we got some cool recording equipment now, and we're going to we're going to let this show rip, uh, but I wanted to just talk a little bit. Uh, Brian, maybe you can explain beaver plugs for the folks out there. Oh, uh, yeah. What are the beaver plugs? Well, the beaver plugs were a two-piece uh, Blink-182 cover band that uh, performed in a bedroom. Sex dungeon. <laughs> in uh, the early 2000s. No, but uh, yeah, Zach and I um, thought that we were going to be rock stars, so I bought a guitar and he bought a... Uh, bass guitar and we like to play cover songs of pop punk music oh yeah phoenix tx flight 601 remember that one yep that was one of our first that what was we, another one i don't know i think we just played that over and over <laughs> maybe probably did. bowling for soup the bitch song oh, i think man. uh we we had that one down that was uh, a goodie bits and pieces of uh, many other songs so yeah anyways um we we needed a band name and i looked over uh, at Zach's bed and it had a hat on it from the Oregon State Beavers and then I looked over to the wall and there was a plug and it said beaver plugs and and the rest is history. You know what's crazy is until two weeks ago I had no idea the origin of the name. I just thought he randomly threw out a name <laughs> and beaver plug and you know. You do can... you remember that hat? I totally do yeah it was one of those white college hats that every kid rocked in the yeah, 90s. Like pop your collar, yeah. uh, wear that white college hat. And put that brim over, fold it over as much as possible. Rubber band it 18 times, <laughs> make it really curved. Yeah, it's so that's, um, you know, that's where we're coming. Decided to do this podcast for hopefully people around our age and talk about music back from our prime, prime age oh, of yeah. uh, late teens, early 20s. We're going to bring you some of our favorite music 
music that you may or may not have heard of. And we're going to span all genres, so we're not going to pigeonhole ourselves to one specific genre. Yeah, that's really cool. The, the approach here is the people who will probably end up enjoying the podcast most will likely be our age, right? But we hope that there will be some younger and older folks who listen to this who might take away some awesome music that we're going to share with you guys. It's not yeah, our music, it's right. music we're fans of, right? Right, because, um, I mean, we're getting to that age where there's there's teenagers that could potentially even be our kids. Weird. It's weird, yeah. I don't um, like it. So, if you think about it, they're... they're listening to music from when we were teenagers that's it's like classic rock for us it's you know and that's that's nuts because some of the stations on fm radio which i rarely listen to anymore are now playing songs of our childhood and it's called classic rock it's that's, so freaking bizarre it's a mind fuck it is i don't like it Even um, though i still feel like i'm 20 years old your balls would indicate otherwise but <laughs> i had to go there so let's transition now and talk about what Are we're going to transitioning i may be i've got the titties already <laughs> yeah let's talk about the album so bj hit them what are we going to talk about today the first album for our podcast is going to be enema of the state from blink 182 and why did we choose enema of the state well i would say that uh, of any band and and probably of any record blink means the most to us together as as best friends and Enema of the State is probably the album that uh, we grew up together most on. And it came out in the late 90s. We'll talk about some of the details later. But um, the album, Lifesaver to me, one of the most influential pieces of artwork in my life. That's why I wanted to do it. I know BJ probably shares the same sentiment. So, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk Enema. It's, um, it, it definitely was uh, an album that shaped my further listening experiences it led me down a different path and uh, into bands that i probably would not have listened to um and i know but you know blink 182 is a polarizing band everybody has their own opinion but fuck it i don't care let's go wrong like it and uh if you don't Maybe we can change your mind. At least give it a listen. Yeah, this was this is a this is a banger of an album. And uh, if you again don't appreciate Blink for what they are, maybe you've just listened to the hits. Maybe you're a new Blink fan because I think there's a generation of Blink people who are from California and beyond the the record California, and maybe some from self titled or neighborhoods or all these other albums in the future. But for our generation and our age and growing up in the nineties, Enema of the State was it. And if you were a Blink fan, this was kind of your record. And that's not to knock any Blink fans who came before with the Dude Ranch era. That's just uh, saying what it was to a couple of high school kids back in the nineties. So yeah, Enema of the State was released in June of nineteen ninety nine. I believe uh we were both in high school. I think. Yeah, yeah. I was a I sophomore, you were probably a junior. Something like that. And, uh, oh, yeah. It was uh, sort of Blink's coming out party to the mainstream, uh, at least nationwide. Yeah, I would say that this, of any album that they've ever had, was their breakout record, right? So before Enema of the State was recorded and released, they did have a couple other albums. Uh, one called Dude Ranch, which they had some commercial success off of. Right, Another... it, damn it, I think it did get some mainstream air, airplay, and they hit some talk shows and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and damn it was, I mean, their first and, and biggest real hit. Uh, and there's, don't get me wrong uh, to the hardcore Blink fans out there, we know there's 
other hits off uh, the other two, three albums before this. But really, damn it, damn it, kind of put them on the map. Um, and then when they went to Enema, they it, just went through the stratosphere. Yeah, that's a pretty good analogy there. Enema of the States, I looked this up earlier, it sold 5 million albums in the United States alone. And worldwide, it was 15 million at least. Um, Fucking crazy. That's a lot. And then I think all the other Blink albums combined is is barely over like six or seven million if you combine Seriously? all the sales from the other records. So Damn. that just says how big of an album this was for Blink-182. Yeah, it was five times platinum I saw. And so the weird thing is, too, is we may be speaking to some people who are like album sales and might be using some old terms. <laughs> I, I wonder what that would equate to downloads in today's era, right? Because, you know... Back when we were kids, uh, you'd go to like the Harmony House or or Best Buy or whatever store was around, and and you'd go buy the CD. Uh, you wouldn't just download the singles. There's nothing wrong with downloading the singles. Did you ever get that CD? <sighs> what CD, Brian? CDs nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> On my way here, I'm like, I got a lineup of fucking D's nuts joke for him, but I'm glad you got it. Uh, so, hey, real quick, though, going back to 99, because that's when you mentioned it, I had to look this up. I want to see if you can guess. On the Billboard Top 100 at the time, which that's, again, the songs that are out on the radio and most requested or most played on airtime on FM radio at the time. Just throw a guess out there as to what was what was on the top. In 99? 99. I'm, I'm going to go with, like, Sync, Backstreet Boys, the... Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, probably all the above, but you ready for the number one song the week that this album was released? Is it Mambo number five? Oh, fucking close. It's our it's our homeboy, Ricky Martin, living <laughs> La Vida Loca. Oh, wow. Was number one. Number two is J-Lo, If You Had My Love, and then TLC, No Scrubs. Wow. Were that's, the uh, top three songs on Billboard 100. Uh, fucking crazy. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's unfortunate. Well, let's talk more about this shit, though, um, and, and the personnel on the album, because I want to dig into that. Yeah, so I think one of the big reasons that this album had so much success is, is in no small part to who produced it, and that was Jerry Finn, the yeah. late and the great Jerry Finn. This was the first album that Blink got Jerry Finn to... Let me uh, say something real quick about Jerry Finn. So Jerry Finn... Music producer, sound engineer, just a legend in the pop punk and punk genre. Uh, and not just limited to that genre. Born March 31st, 1969. Died at the young age of 39. August 21st, 2008. He had a intracranial hemorrhage from what I read and a massive heart attack. So fucking devastating. Some would call him, and I think even Blink members have said he was the fourth guy in the band. He was a very integral part in the Blink process in the short time that they had working with him. As you said, I think uh, Jerry Finn did start off uh, by working as an engineer and sound mixer on uh, Dookie by Green Day, which is arguably one of the greatest albums of all time. Oh, fuck yeah, we got to do one on that. He's also worked with like the Goo Goo Dolls, the Offspring, AFI, the Vandals, Rancid, Newfound Glory, Sum 41, Elfline, Trio, Bad Religion, Morrissey. The dude is a, a legend. Yeah, he probably shaped their careers forever. If not for Jerry Finn, would Blink be who they were? And, and that's an unknown question. But uh, I think it's fair to say that a lot of the success of Enema of the State and, and Blink moving forward uh, can be attributed to his, his music production. And I guess so, I, I read that they met him on 
you know, when they st- first started recording the song Mutt. Um, they probably worked with him in passing before or, or knew him because he was in the SoCal scene, but uh, Blink had the song Mutt on this album in particular. It was on the American Pie soundtrack, um, and that was the song that but he first started working with him. I believe the backstory on that is um, Mutt was actually recorded prior to this, back mm-hmm. when Scott Rayner was in the band. It was recorded in, like, 98, and there's a, a alternate version than what you would hear on the Enema of the State album. Ooh. It's different. Back to Jerry Finn real quick. Why did he have such influence on the success of this album? Do you have any opinions on that? So I don't know, uh, or I can't attribute to, like, what parts he played or, or, or you know, how he shaped the band other than just what conversations I've heard on YouTube. Right. Like, so, you know, I just listened to an interview that Mark gave and somebody in the audience asked Mark a question about what it's like to work with Jerry Finn. And and how do you guys feel about the fact that now you don't have him to work with? And like, how has that changed your music? And they said that he was kind of like a cool, casual, welcoming guy who would share all the information with him. He knew every role in the studio um, from mixing to audio engineering to everything all the way up and and that's not just from blink too if you do any research on on jerry finn any band that's worked with him said that this guy is just he's like a wizard uh, he he can jump in anywhere and it knows every single part very well it's it's crazy and and i think one of the clips that i watched on youtube in kind of preparation for this was you know a band was talking about him being in the studio and they were writing a song and they looked over at him and were like, Jerry, like, what are we doing wrong? And he's like, this doesn't work in the chorus and do this. And it was literally that quick of a conversation and it, it rearranged their song. So it, it's probably just, he's probably one of those guys innately that has like an amazing musical ear. Yeah. I, I sort of summarize it as Jerry Finn took a blink and sort of polished them. They were they were a very polished band when when Jerry Finn got done with them. I mean, fuck, they put keyboards on five Blink One Eighty Two songs on that album. That's fucking like insane. I mean, who would have thought that Blink One Eighty Two would have keyboards or piano in a song, and then Jerry Finn comes in and and they throw it on five different five different songs. That's really cool. I didn't even think about that, but they were just raw punk before that, right? They were guitars, basses, vocals, drums in a right, studio, right? And they were just uh, just starting out, and so you're you're 100 right. So I think you nailed it on the head. But let's talk about the folks on the record. So I think we've got to tell people that um, Enema of the State was the first time that Blink in the Modern Era came together. And what I mean by Blink in the Modern Era is a well, band it's not even uh, current anymore, right? Uh, that's true. I guess I should say <laughs> the historic era then. Uh, but but when I this think is of like Blink, uh, Blink version. One, yeah, 2.0. 2.0. Yeah, and so Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLong, and Travis Barker are the people who performed on this record. This was the transition that Blink had made from their previous band that they had together, and that was with the drummer Scott Rayner, um, which it's yeah, probably so, uh, making this album be what it is. Blink-182 originally was Scott, Mark, and Tom. And, of course, everybody, well, maybe they don't know, but we won't really get into it. There was a falling out between the band in between touring for uh, Dude Ranch and recording Enema of the State. Scott went his own way, and Mark and Tom continued on uh, with Travis Barker. 
to nuts <clears throat> to think, and, and I don't think Blink would be the success that they are today or throughout the 2000s and 2010s without Travis Barker being added into the song. And the crazy thing is I, I confirmed this. We talked about the album a few weeks back, and I confirmed this, that uh, songwriting credits only went to Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge on this record, and it's fucking crazy yeah, to think um, about. He was just a performer on this album. He wasn't even officially in the band at the time of recording, which is pretty bizarre. I mean, he brought a, a whole new dynamic. Dynamic. Uh, dynamic. To the, dynamic. <laughs> he, he brought a whole new dynamic into this band. Um, he brought a lot of new tempo and new beats, something that Scott didn't, not to knock on Scott Rayner, because he was great for what he was. Uh, Travis is just a whole different level and I think has a, a more expansive feel for the drum kit. I gotta agree with you, and I don't think Brian or I are Scott haters by any means. Actually, I'm intrigued by the motherfucker, right? Because he's kind of gone silent since, you know, Blink has, has been off, um, or since he's been off the Blink lineup, right? So it's a very he's a very intriguing character as a blink fan as somebody who wants to kind of know more about people rarely do you ever catch anything about scott rayner other than maybe hey he's playing with a couple new people here and there so he's an enigma he is enigma enigma schmegma uh hey one other thing real quick about the people in the band i think it's worth talking a little more about travis i heard and you probably know this because you're a huge travis fan that travis was a garbage man Back in the day, this is like early 90s. Then he joins a band called the Aquabats, or Aquabats, I believe that's how you say it. So he joins this band, plays with them for a few years. This is not like a high-level band. This is a band that might play on Warped Tour or some shit like that. So they didn't have like any mainstream success that I know of, but correct me if I'm wrong. And so at the time, he went to go fill in because Blink was without Scott Rayner. And I got a quote here from Adam Dilbert, who was of the Aquabats at the time. And this was in reference to listening to Travis Barker play and rehearse with Blink before one of their shows. And he says, a few of us were standing by the stage and I vividly remember the feeling of this is the new Blink. We should have looked for this new drummer. We should have looked for a new drummer right then and there because it was so obvious that this was a band that he belonged in. So pretty crazy. Yeah. And I believe the, the, the legend has it that, um, Travis stepped in on a short notice and learned the whole Blink set in like 30 minutes or an hour or something and went out and just killed it. And yeah, I mean, I believe it. Travis is that talented. If yeah. anybody could do it, I think that it would be him. Yeah, he's he's a bad motherfucker. So Enema of the State, um, everybody probably knows the cover art. It uh, actually was rated in the top 15 of all album covers by billboard Ooh, that's which cool. i found sort of surprising the the album art cover is the nurse in the skimpy outfit pulling on a, a latex glove with the guys in the background so her name's janine linda Mulder, and she was a porn star actress who got hired to to do this photo shoot and i'm sure nobody at the time right not even the blink guys or anybody knew that the album would be what it is but uh, it is an iconic cover as brian just explained so a little bit more about her. I found out she was married to that chopper guy, Jesse James. Did you know that? I didn't. No. Hmm. She did the nography too. Did you have you ever seen an episode with her? Did what? Have you ever watched her in her little side her real job? 
Uh, no, I haven't. I feel like we need to go to the hub and check that out. Probably not right now, but just maybe general. later. <laughs> um, she was also in the What's My Age Again video. Right. Yep. And um, Howard Stern Private Parts as well. As an uh, actress? Yeah, I didn't. I just checked it out on Wikipedia. So she had like a small part in there. I could be completely wrong. She could have had a fucking huge role, but I mean. Uh, I don't think. I, I don't remember her in that movie, but. Yeah. It's a great movie. I did read that uh, Blink didn't even know who she was. Oh, really? the, the band was presented with a stack of headshots to choose who would be on the album, and they picked her out of the, the stack. Yeah, they didn't even know who she was, what she did. The, the photographer, though, I think this guy should get some credit. And I'm going to give credit to a podcast guy. There is a dude named Poppin' Curves out there on Instagram. It's like a super Blink fan. And he has a podcast about Blink-182. I think it's called 182 News. And he actually interviewed this guy named David Goldman, who was a photographer of the Blink album. Um, so David Goldman's from Canada, and he's a photographer, and he does documentaries now and, and portrait photos and all that type of stuff. So he's got some really cool artwork out on his like Instagram and Facebook page or whatever like that. But uh, again, this was just a guy that they hired, and he was randomly there at the shoot, and he did all the album artwork. So that that's not only the the picture that you see of the janine on the cover but he did all the inside covers where like if you open up the pamphlet of the cd if you got it back in the day all the guys that were lined up in front of lockers so he was the one who took all the photography for that and you know you could say in some instances um that blink in a sense put these two individuals on the map janine and david the photographer so pretty cool yeah what is uh david the photographer doing these days he might be riding a motorcycle or two. <laughs> I mean, is, is he really still on the map? <laughs> cheep, cheep. Anyways, let's talk about Blink real quick and the influence that Enemy of the State had on, on pop punk music and maybe even beyond. So, I mean... Right. Um, I think this album brought pop punk to the masses. Undoubtedly. So, yeah, Dookie, Dookie was the first big punkish type of record that came out. I think it was out in like 93 or 94 or something like that. And it, everybody knows Green Day's Dookie because uh, it's one of the most iconic albums of all time. But I don't think you get your bands like your Newfound Glories, your your Fallout Boys, your Panic at the Discos, All Time Lows. These type of bands aren't around if, if this album doesn't come out, in my opinion. Well, they're probably around, but they don't achieve the amount of success that they did. I mean, uh, Newfound Glory was around. Yeah. Uh, around the same time but uh, i think blink took them on tour at the same time like blink or newfound glory signed to a major label and and they sort of blew up there for a bit yeah it was sort of uh, uh like a family tree though uh, uh of bands that that spawned off of blink 182 after enema of the state took off it's crazy i think in our own lives it was not only influential musically for for us right like we both back in the day played music and I think this this record did that for us. I know I got the bass guitar after this came out, as you mentioned earlier in the episode here. But like Pete went to Fallout Boy, Sights Blink is a is a huge influence in general, and, and all the other bands that we just listed before, huge influence. But I but I think you know Travis Barker in particular, in his drum skills and his style, um, which you can't really put in one category influence not right. just like punk, look at travis everything. now working with all these up-and-coming rappers and and pop artists and i mean he's everywhere the snooze has hit me by the way is it yeah i farted like 30 times and it's, it's gonna make a, you get the shits it might 
You got oh. the bidet here, though, so I might get a little spritz going. That's right. This is brought to you by B.O. Bidet. <laughs> B.O. Bidet on Amazon. I'm not really sure, but worth every penny. You brought the portable bidet, by the way, to Minnesota. We had our honeymoon recently in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. He came with me on a work trip, and uh, we hung out and watched the ball Fuck, game and all that like, stuff. I mean... Being home during the pandemic and only taking poops at home with bidets, and then and then going out in the public and having to use like toilet paper again, it's just like my b holes not not used to that. <laughs> you've uh, so you've I experienced went and a good a, life. Uh, yeah, I went and bought a nice little portable handheld bidet, and it, it and it works well. I had to get off the bidet because. Uh... You're My, getting too soft. Oh, I don't know. Either that or I got a fissure or something like that. I got some roids that came out after hitting the spritz too hard. Woof. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the bidets are, are beautiful. So, yep, this is sponsored by uh, B.O. Bidet. B.O. Bidet. Taking care Your of butthole you. butthole has never been cleaner. One brown eye at a time. <laughs> let's uh let's move on now let's talk about some songs because we've sat here and talked about the album and all the ins and outs of it and, and we know that we're missing a ton of shit but i think we need to hit you guys with some good blink so i think this album starts off in the best possible way with one of my favorite blink songs um, of all time one of the best songs on this album and that's um dump weed what are your thoughts Fucking jam. When I was growing up, I was a huge Mark Hoppus fan. I still am. Most influential musician in my life, no doubt. But what I've come to appreciate is I used to love all the Mark songs, and I did love the uh, the, the you know the songs sung by Tom on the record. I find myself now in in my late thirties going back and being a fan of his songs a little bit more on this album in particular. Dumpweed's a fucking jam. Here it is, Dumpweed. right there is the first track on the record so gotta ask what's your favorite song on enema the state uh, i would probably go with this uh with dumpweed everything oh, from that opening yeah. riff to the chunky palm mute and the verses the drums it, it's just i've got to agree that it's one of my favorites it's not my favorite on the record but it's hard hitting uh, this is one of the best intro songs of all time not only just for the record but when they play live Sometimes they'll open up with a song, and it's just, it's awesome. And It slaps. I, oh, does it ever slap? That's what the kids say now, right? It's a bop. It's, <laughs> I think that's something that these kids say. Bopper? It's, it's a bop. It slaps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, there's there's another word that they're, it's, it's it'll, bu- it'll bust? Is that what it is? Oh, it's bussin'. It's bussin', yeah. Yeah, it is. It's fucking bussin'. Sheesh! <laughs> Beautiful is what it is. So... Track one, Dumpweed, your favorite song of all time. 
of Are, all time. Oh, your favorite song on this record? Yes. Yep. Um, I, I believe it is. Hell yeah. Okay, so track two uh, is Don't Leave Me, and this is a killer song as well. Very bass heavy, and it's like a speedy punk type of song. And this song I don't think was ever going to be mainstream, but to me it was a killer jam. What yeah, are your thoughts? I also agree. I think it's it would it would fit on a Blink album past. Like um, a throwback, like you think this one could have been on like Dude Ranch or something. Right. It's it's not as polished, it's not as uh, fancy sounding as some of the other songs that are on this album. 2 minutes, it's straightforward. It just it it rocks it out and you're on to the next. Speaking of What's the next? Uh, next song is Aliens Exist, which I think a lot of people do know now that Tom DeLong, you know, he's now off like searching for aliens and shit. But um, it's nothing new to him. He's always been infatuated with aliens and outer space and UFOs and everything. Um, and, and he wrote this song basically about that and him growing up and believing in that you found a really cool guitar part in this song and you should pull it up real quick yeah, as he mentioned aliens exist was it was all about tom's nod to his alien infatuation and the song is just the shit right opens up hey mom there's something in the back room and i mean just one of the coolest songs on the record the other thing the song opens with a pick slide which is something mm. sort of rare for tom yeah i don't recall him using pick slides often in his writing prior to this no or even after this like to me like tom always used like palm muted chunky chords and little twangy like nursery rhyme riffs is what he would describe it as he's got this cool ass ernie ball one hour thing on youtube and he talks about he wanted to write like these killer nursery rhyme like nursery rhymes on steroids and i think how he describes it so, so yeah, it's here's cool. that part of aliens exist that i was bringing bringing up to you earlier when we were off air Yeah, so that's something that I just picked up today, actually. I think I, I might have heard it in the past, but it's something that, you know, I made note of. It's just one of those things, I don't know if it was done in production or, you know, layering the guitars or whatever, but um, I think it adds a little bit extra to this song. Again, this is the polished Blink-182. Man, it's just so cool because, you know, I've listened to that song for years, and it's definitely one that if I'm... It's in my Blink uh, playlist. I'm not skipping over this song by any means. And I never noticed that until you pointed that out today. So it was a really cool little piece of production. So so we've done tracks one through three now. So Dumpweed, track one. Track two, Don't Leave Me. Track three, Aliens Exist. Uh, give them track four here. Uh, going Away to College. It's a cute little love song that Mark wrote. At the time when we were teenagers, I f the, the lyrics actually like felt real. I don't, I don't know. It was sort of written about that time in your life when you're transitioning from high school to college and, and you're... Tucking your wiener. Yeah, and obsessed with... I don't even know where I was going. I, you, I, I you get, get where you're you going. You got though. me. No, I, <laughs> I get where you're going because um, it, it's a love song, right? Like it's this cool opening, nice little riff, uh, softer guitar, and then it hits you. It relates to being 15 to 25, let's call it. 
And to me, I'm surprised that this song wasn't a mainstream hit. I think this could have been a hit. And it played could on have radio. been the fourth single, I think, off this album. The album did only have three singles. I don't know why, but I think that this could have been a fourth uh, successful one. Speaking of a mainstream hit. Track five is What's My Age Again. It was their first mainstream hit off this record in particular. So to me, this was the anthem of the summer. When the song came out, everybody saw it. Everybody loved the music video. They were running around naked. Um, and that iconic opening riff. Of course, of course, everybody knows that that intro in, in the music video, like you said, it's got some cameos by, uh, what was that show, Talk Soup? Yeah. Uh, Jim Rome, they were in a Gap commercial. Blink was? Yeah, and in oh, the shit, video. In the video, oh, they're, they're yes, like yes, running yes. around in the Gap commercial. Yes. Like, does the Gap even exist? I don't even know. I don't know. I remember the commercials though. It was a bunch of goofy people, a bunch of white people dancing around in khakis and bunch of them white folk or back in the day. You know, iconic line though. I think there's an iconic line in this song. Can you can you tell me what you think it is? Because I think everybody knows this line if you grew up in this era. Nobody <coughs> likes you when you're 23. Bingo. That to me is a line that sticks with you from this record and this song in particular. So, what's my age again? Killer jam. Um, so now we've talked about five tracks. Let's go to track number six, BJ. Uh, track number six is called Des- Dysentery Gary. Dysentery Gary. Dysentery Gary. Oh. So I think this song is about um, basically losing your girl to a douchebag. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. No? No. And here's the thing, though. When I listen to music, especially back in this day, like the lyrics of songs and stuff like that but i never really read into them too much i just kind of like just listen to the music how did it flow how did it sound cool i like yeah um like there's a line i would like to find him friday night trying on his father's tights (laughs) and um you know the the end of it is is sums up that age for me the ending of this song um it ends with them singing, fuck this place, I hate you all, your mom's a whore, where's my dog, girls oh, are such a drag. Like, yeah. I could just, you know, those are things that, as a 17, 18-year-old, you probably say to yourself and do. It, you know, now that you bring those lyrics back, I mean, <clears throat> I scream the shit out of that part when uh, when the song comes on the headphones. I was so angry back then. Oh, yeah. We were fucking emo. We were emo before emo, were we? I I don't know. I mean, yeah. I had a lip ring. Yeah, I had a clit ring. <laughs> uh, my favorite song on the record, for sure. Is it? it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's weird. It's like picking a favorite kid. But Dysentery Gary, to me, is just, it's the shit. And to me, it's all about that main intro riff. It's just a freaking jolt of electric guitar. When it hits your ears, man, incredible. Yeah, yeah, so let's take uh, a listen to it if you got it. Let's hear the right. intro riff. Give it to him. I mean, that's just killer. Yeah, it's a great piece of guitar work by Tom. Alrighty, so track seven. Track seven, Adam's Song, which was the last of the three singles released. How do you feel about it? 
Um, tell, tell them what you feel about it, BJ. It's it's okay. I you know it's it's okay. Not one of my favorites by far. Um, and and this is something that Blink One Eighty Two has never done before. It's sort of a ballad. Yeah, they never really had any softer shit before this. No, that I can nope. remember on Cheshire Buddha or Dude Ranch. <clears throat> So, I mean, this is serious Blink-182, bust out your lighters or, or whatever. I guess kids don't carry lighters anymore because they bust don't smoke. Your, but bust out your cell phones. Bust out, yeah, your cell phones and your vape pens. <laughs> um, what I like the most about this song is, is the drums. Oh, um, definitely. It's such a simple beat that's repeated oh. throughout the whole... Was that a boofer? <laughs> I just shot you a boofer. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I've been boofing. I'm telling you, the snooze is loose right now. Check yourself. This I might have to hit that today and go get myself another <laughs> catalyst. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, the drums, the beat, it, it's, it's Travis. It's genius. And then there's freaking piano in this song. Ooh. I mean, Blink-182 with piano. There's piano in this song and the next song. And, and so Adam's song, just in general, is a song about suicide, right? So... I don't know if this is a rumor or just something that happened back in the day, but I feel like I saw an interview with Mark way back when that he talked about uh, writing this about a kid who either wrote him or something like that, or he heard a story. He, yeah, he wrote, or not he wrote, he read a story in a magazine about a kid who wrote a suicide note, and Adam was a fictional name, ah. and Mark was sort of down at the time when he was writing this. I think Scott, I believe he wrote this before before Travis was in the band and when they were always on tour Tom and Scott had steady girlfriends to come home to and Mark was still single and was lonely depressed and then you know the suicide thing came in yeah um, shout out to Mark Hoppus by the way the dude's breaking my heart right now he's got cancer and it's fucking terrible to hear it is I don't know if it's because we're getting older and it comes up more often in our lives as we get older but to see somebody that you look up to going through something like that, it's tough. It, it really hurts. So yeah. I hope Mark gets well soon. Yeah, and if you were to ever listen to the pod- podcast, we're, uh, we're thinking about you as probably the rest of the pop punk community is. You know, He's just a good dude, and you wouldn't want anybody to get cancer, but, uh, but fuck, especially Mark Hoppus. I mean, come on. The guy is just a sweetheart of a dude from, uh, from all accounts, and... I've never never met him. I, I gave him a high five one time at one of the shows as he walked by, and uh, you can just tell the way he interacts with fans. And I believe he's popular on Twitch now, and he's got a podcast, and, and he's always very receptive to talking with fans and uh, treats everybody with respect, um, which is something that's hard to find these days, especially with celebrities. Definitely connected with everybody. So cool, dude. So so get better soon, Mark, if you're ever listening to this. And uh, at the time of this recording, he's in the middle of chemotherapy. So fingers crossed that it all works out. But uh, As a side note on this song, um, Mark was almost going to leave this song out of the picture. He, the was, he was hesitant to bring this forward from what I have read hmm. um, because it was so different. And he presented it to to Jerry Finn and and Tom and Travis when they were in the studio, and they all absolutely loved it and said, "Screw it, we're doing it." And it was um, one of the last songs recorded for this album. That's a cool fact. I never knew that about uh, about this song in particular. This is the Gateway song, then, right? To songs like "I Miss You," 
that are much slower and more melodic. Yeah, I, I never really looked at it like that because I think after they did sort of pop their cherry with this uh, <laughs> this depressing song, they did start to include a lot more things in this realm. Yeah, good jam. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, I skipped over the song. So for so many years, like whenever it would come up, I just wouldn't play it. And I don't know if it was just because the flavor of music that I liked at the time was was more fast and hard. It's sort of like a buzzkill, yeah, isn't it? I yeah. mean, in, in the middle of this happy album, and then you've got this sort of a downer. It is one that you would skip if you're in the mood to listen to Blink. You really don't want to listen to Adam's song in the middle of all these happy tunes. I agree. Yeah. So. Let's move on now. Yeah. So track uh, eight. Speaking of happy songs, God, oh, yeah. I hate this fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> well, all all the small things. The second single off the of the album. I mean, this is their biggest hit, right? I think ever. ever. I think I think it's their biggest hit ever. Their biggest commercial success of all time. Uh, Rolling Stones' 100 Greatest Pop Songs included this song. It was number six on the Billboard Hot 100. Wow. I know that it was on. Total requests live on MTV nonstop. Carson Daly. Carson Daly, yeah. You don't like it? No. Um, it's not that I dislike it. I might have just heard it so many times that that it's made me dislike it. I feel you because it's not even in the top 20 of my favorite Blink songs. I love the song. Don't get me wrong. It's it's fucking killer. Uh as, but but I'm a Blink slappy, so I'm going to say that about every Blink song. But um, It's a perfect pop-punk song. Yeah. I mean, just structurally and what you hear, i got to agree with you. It, it's, it is the perfect... It's the blueprint for pop-punk music, right? Like, it, it was written to be a commercial success. Uh, the lyrics are sort of cheesy. The chord progression is simple and catchy. Um, he's got the na-na-na-nas thrown oh, in, yeah. in, in, in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a killer song, and I think if you want to learn a little bit more about music in particular, but um, there's a guy on YouTube called Rick Beato. I'm a huge fan of him. He's a music producer, and he did a What Makes This Song Great take on all the small things. It was the first episode of that series on YouTube. So check it out. It breaks out the song, and it, it talks about all the different individual parts from guitar to synth to um the drums and everything so it's a it's just a really cool intimate deep look at all the small things but i think we've hatched out enough with all the like this is the biggest hit of all time for blink period and they've had a, a million not a million other hits but they've had quite a few i, I don't think any anything's came close to this just commercially tidbit before we move on yeah mark met his wife uh, sky while they were shooting the video for this Ooh. Ooh. did you know that i didn't but that video is great, by the way. It is a good video. Yeah, uh, it's like this guy was like working for MTV or something, and and I don't know, they hooked up, and there you go. Yeah, man. So the video, real quick, we might as well mention it before we move on. So this is a video that was kind of like a mock to every boy band at the time. Backstreet Boys and Sync, ninety eight degrees. They were all huge at the time. I think. Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears were also made fun of uh, in the video. It's uh, it's funny. I don't know if it would uh, relate well to somebody who hasn't grown, grown up in that era because no. they probably wouldn't get most of it. No, 98 but, degrees tattoo. Remember seeing that? Yeah. On Mark's shoulder, there's a 98 degrees <clears throat> tattoo in the video, if, I, if I'm thinking about it right. I think it's Mark that has it. But uh, all right, enough all the fuck that. Let's move on to the next one, track nine. Uh, the party song. Oh, yeah. 
this out of all the songs i believe uh, sounds like old blink 182 old meaning um this song could have been ripped right off of cheshire cat or buddha or um dude ranch i agree uh, to me it's super fast it's a punk song that has this sweet breakdown in the middle for a chorus and so i gotta agree with you 100 i mean this could have gone on on earlier albums and it's probably closer to punk than pop punk if that makes sense yeah uh, that's about as punk as punk it's about as punk as blink 182 is gonna get i think it's a i think it's one of the most underrated songs on the album i'll just fucking say it because it's a, it's a jam it's funny you say that because i was gonna say that about uh, the next two songs also um, underrated underrated uh, you know a lot of people i think aren't fans of these songs but uh, uh track 10 is mutt which uh, I alluded to earlier, it was originally recorded um, in like 1998 with Scott. Did you ever hear that? I did. Yeah. How is it's, it? It's a totally different feel to the song. Is it not like YouTube? It is. I'm going to have to pull that um, up one time because I don't think I've ever heard the old uh, old song. But yeah, Mutt's, Mutt's a jam. And to me, that bass line in that song was killer. He's Mark Hoppus, the bassist, uh, definitely <clears> has some, some cooler bass lines, most definitely. But this one to me, it's, it's just very heavy hitting on the bass and i loved it and uh you can hear it in the movie american pie yeah. which back in that day was like the hangover or animal house or one of those type of movies um in our generation and so they actually made a cameo appearance in american pie and um mutt's, mutt's just a killer song and i do think it is underrated so i agree with you everything from that epic guitar riff to the lyrics tom's voice i i, I love that song one of my favorites for sure we're going crazy going ruthless we're going ruthless champ so this is the original version recorded uh with scott rayner on drums just wait till you hear these vocals I mean, this is Dude Ranch, right? This song yeah. is basically an extension of the Dude Ranch album. Yeah. It's similar, though. To me, it's similar. Like, from the drum aspect of things, it's it's a little, it's a little off. I definitely think Travis had a better go at it. Because the drums, to me, are full, but they're not as crisp. And they're not coming in dynamically with the music, how a Travis Blink song does, right? Yeah, Scott's just nailing that snare throughout this. I mean, he's killing it on that yeah. snare drum. Yeah. And he's the shit, too. No knock on Scott Rayner whatsoever. He's fucking incredible. The other part of this song that I wanted uh, you to hear would be towards the end. So we'll fast forward a bit. This is so weird. Wow, this is way different. Cool, so that's yeah. Mutt. So that's Mutt, the original version. No, it's not the version that you would hear on this album, but um, yeah, 
you can go ahead and look that up on YouTube and compare it to uh, the, the Anima the State version. Oh, yeah. All right. Track, uh, 11. track 11 is Wendy Clear. Mark wrote this song about a crush that he had on a girl that worked at the record label. Is her name Wendy? Uh, no. I think doing my research, Wendy was the name of Mark's boat, oh, which I didn't boater? know that he had a boat. But he doesn't seem that's like a boating what team. I read. Mm-hmm. No, maybe it was like a little dinghy. <laughs> Quit playing with your dinghy. A little canoe. <laughs> this is a jam. And this often comes up uh, if I pick a favorite song right now. It's Dysentery Gary. Ask me in five months from now. It might be Windy Clear. I fucking love this song. Yep. I, I'm with you. I love uh, Mark's delivery of the lyrics in this song. It's All sort right. of a monotone, really fast. It's different. It's, uh, it's not really... I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say it's not singing, but no, it's it's, it's not different. Yeah, I I, I got to agree, and I love the line. I wish it didn't have to be so bad. Killer line is windy clear. Track 11, Windy Clear coming at you. Anything else to say about Windy Clear before we move on to the final track? It's bussin'. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bussin'. I would love to just know what that means. I know it means it's cool, but like, how? Do you know that it's uh, if something is bussin' bussin', that means it's like double the bussin'? <laughs> that was bussin that fart brought to you by bd bidets or b.o bidets b.o bidets uh, last song on the album is anthem you know edgy title oh how many, yeah how many pop punk emo songs were called anthem oh man way too many to count uh this song's all right i like it it's good it's to me, my most underplayed song on the record, for sure. And I don't know why, because I do enjoy it. It's like Adam's song. I'd skip it if it came up most of the time. I don't know why I do that. Yeah, but I do. it's it's fine. That's that's all I really have to say about it. So uh, do you give this bussin' or just bussin' bussin'? Anthem? Yeah. I wouldn't give it a bussin'. Oh, wow. I wouldn't even call it a bop. Would you say it was sponsored by B.O. Bidet's? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even bidet-worthy. Uh, yeah, I don't... If there was a song that could have been left in in the studio, I think I'd go with this. I um not, I would agree. I, not that I'd want the album to change, but if there was one to drop, I'm I'm probably in alignment with you there. I think you could drop Anthem and nobody'd even remember. It's just there. It's all right to listen to. But alas, we are not a Blink 182 podcast and we aren't here to just talk about pop punk. Let's let's do something real quick before we wrap it up we got to explain the show. We didn't do this at the beginning of the podcast, but every podcast that we're going to do is twofold. One, we're going to have an album discussion. I think that's the way you'd say it, right? Sure. Talk about a record. It's all new to me. So we're going to bring you a record that we like. And so Enema of the State is what you just heard about. So next week or whenever that time is, we're going to bring another record, but then we're going to move in. And after we talk about that album we're gonna do a deep cut we're gonna do a deep cut from something that you may or may not have heard of uh more than likely haven't heard or a song by a band that you know 
but they've got other stuff that you should hear. That's cool. Before we go to the deep cut, though, let's hit them with our review system. Yeah, so we decided we're going to rate our albums, um, mm. you know, because our opinion matters. Hell yeah, I need some more And uh, we're going to rate it out of uh, 10 beaver pelts. Oh, so a beaver pelt um, is the rating system. So out of 10, how many beaver pelts you give an enema? I'm going to give enema the state. Uh, in my personal opinion, I would give it a 9. A 9 beaver pelts out of 10 possible beaver so, pelts. 9 out of 10 pelts. Is there an album out there that would be a 10 out of 10 for you? Nothing like putting me on the spot. Yeah, there's probably some. Mm-hmm. I would put Dookie... Uh, mm. a, a big full 70s beaver pelt Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so i give this album 10 out of 10 pelts to me it's probably the most important piece of music in my life as cheesy as it sounds i fucking love the record from front to back and i find myself constantly going back to to this among other blink stuff but um but hands down if somebody had a gun to my head and I, they asked me favorite record this is it. So would, 10 out of 10 this pounds. would be it. This would be the one. It would be the one. And let me just say, like anything else, you ask somebody your favorite movie or any of this other shit, you've got three, four, five different favorites of whatever. But if I had to choose one record that was the most influential and the best to me overall, this is it. 10 out of 10. Gun to pounds. your head. Gun to my head. Full blown bush here. Oh, ooh. <laughs> the 10 pelts. Big old beaver here, right? She's hairy. Yep. Uh, oh, what's that? It's time for that Beaver Plugs Deep Cut. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about the Deep Cut, BJ, because you were the one who picked this, and boy, is it ever deep. Oh, it's deep. Oh, yeah. Let's, um, let's give it to him. This week's Deep Cut is brought to you by a local band here in Detroit named Overloaded. And the track is titled Feeling Overloaded off of the album Hail the Kingdom from 2005. Yeah, so a little bit of a background on this band. They're, they're a <clears throat> local Metro Detroit band that, that we grew up with. We literally knew the guys. Um, you, you knew them a lot better than I did. I, I took a guitar lesson from the guitar player, and he's absolutely incredible. His name's Eric. Um, and, and we knew a guy named Chris who was the lead singer for the band. Uh, Chris overloaded. and I uh, drove the Zamboni together. Ooh, did for... you sit on your lap? No. Um, oh, but... he worked at the arena, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he trained me to drive the Zamboni. Oh, man. Little, I never knew that. Little known fact about me. I was a Zamboni driver for about five years. Coolest job ever. Anyway, yeah. Um, so these guys are, uh, well, they are a local band and had some moderate success here in Michigan. They are a world-class talent i believe chris gillen the singer also sung for uh, tokyo blade who had a success in the 80s and then they've sort of maintained their success over in europe he toured over in europe and did festivals with them um, he also performs in an acoustic cover band here in metro detroit called the allies yeah these guys are awesome so it's not because they're <clears throat> friends or were friends of ours that they're awesome. It's because legitimately this band should have blown up more than what they were. They shouldn't have been a local band. To me, uh, this album, I believe it's Hail the Kingdom. Is that right? Yes. So Hail the Kingdom is the record that this song that we're going to show you to in a minute, have you listened to in a minute, 
front to back to me was sweet. These guys opened for Godsmack. They opened up for Alter Bridge back in the day. They played with Motley Crue, Skid Row. They were sponsored by Jägermeister. Damn. They, um, yeah. Um, their guitar player, Eric Kluber, um, he's now, I believe, playing in a band in L.A. called Void Vader. He formerly played with Gypsy Hawk and Iron Ot and White Wizard. Yeah, I remember um, that he's, White Wizard. He's... Uh, fucking guitar god yeah he's he's definitely uh a shredder and in one of the best ones out there so i haven't heard um any of their new stuff not the not overloader but haven't heard any of the the band's new stuff uh that they've all been in like the the other bands after the fact but i can tell you right now if you get the chance to find these guys overloaded music is what you would search And, and feeling overloaded is just a killer killer song that if this record came out maybe five, ten years before, there's no doubt in my mind, they'd probably be on a huge stage. Yeah, and um, you can check Eric out. I believe he's pretty uh, big on um, YouTube. I believe he works for Guitar World uh, YouTube channel. And, and Yeah, I oh, believe cool. he does like lessons on YouTube uh, through Guitar World. And um, he's also got his own... <clears throat> He's got his own YouTube channel, so you can go ahead and look him up. Eric with a K, and his last name, again, is Kluber, K-L-U-I-B-E-R. Yeah, I think we need to give a nod to the rest of the guys in the band, though. Because, oh, right, again, yeah. These, these dudes were just, just awesome, front to back. I didn't right. really know the others too well, but... Uh, uh, John Sullins played rhythm guitar, Mike Massey was on bass, and uh, Lorenzo Gonzalez on drums. Yeah, and all three of those guys equally badass as well and and lorenzo from what i remember uh was tight with uh, a big mainstream guy miles kennedy who at the time played for mayfield four lead singer of alter bridge and also uh, is in the band with slash so miles kennedy and the conspirators and then he'll play slash with miles kennedy so uh, definitely awesome guys uh great musicians and do you want to give them fucking feeling overloaded I do. I want to. I want uh, everybody to hear this song. I feel like it's a song that could have been uh, commercially successful, and it's just straightforward rock and roll that kicks ass. Oh fuck yeah! So this week's deep cut again is "Feeling Overloaded" by the band Overloaded off the album "Hail the Kingdom."
so that was our deep cut for this week again overloaded Fucking check them out they're they've got some videos on youtube they're on spotify what if yep what, what if, if what if beaver plugs and this national international success of podcast we have going here brings overloaded together brings them back oh yeah i would love it no oh, i'd love to see overloaded play one more show oh god yeah come on guys let's ass, do it get your reunion show uh so that's the podcast and we hope you enjoyed it we hope you enjoyed our yeah thanks on for it. hanging out with us uh this is definitely a little longer because it's our first one but you know we had fun i hope you had fun yeah and if you have any feedback for us you can always hit us up so we do have an email address beaverplugs at gmail.com so if you don't mind, we'd love to know your feedback on, on how we've done here, what you like to hear. And, and Give it to us raw. Raw and dirty. And um, if you're so inclined, if you're on the Twitter or the Instagram, you can follow us there, at Beaver Plugs. We need yeah. to get some content up on that bitch. We should, but, um, you know, yeah. these things. We'll get there. We're old. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. Hey, by the way, if you've made it this far, we need you to throw a like on the podcast platform that you go to. Give us a review. The podcasts are set up in such a way where those things matter. So the more reviews, likes, and all that other bullshit that, that we get, the more people will hear this. Have a good one. Later. Later.